Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Company. Four o'clock on your Thursday afternoon. We are just about ready for Thursday night football for game five of the National League Division Series and in a couple hours for the Vegas Golden Knights. Silver Sevens is the spot. 77 cent Bud Bud Light McUltra. Happy hour started an hour ago. I don't know where you are, but if you still need to get down there, it's still happy hour. You can get the $2.77 margaritas and, of course, the special. You can get two dogs and two draft beers and um, two chips, Seven seventy-seven. Willie Ramirez has giveaways for you down at Silver 7s. Come see him over at the table outside the William Hill Sportsbook. But right now, it's time for the Big Five. Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Four. Number five. The number is six. That is how many days it has been since... The first Wall Street Journal story about John Gruden appeared and he was first exposed for the racist, homophobic, misogynistic, etc. emails that he sent. And the first night that it came out, we got a statement from Mark Davis that essentially said, well, I'm disturbed. We have more information. We're going to look into it more. Okay. All right. John Gruden coached the Raiders on Sunday, 24 hours later, he resigned when more emails that Mark Davis might or might not have had in his possession came out. Mark Davis's statement was simple. I have accepted John Gruden's resignation as head coach of the Raiders. And since that time, we have heard a grand total of three sentences from Mark Davis, two of which were whining about the NFL, saying, we'll talk to the NFL. They have the answers. And... I've spent plenty of time on these airwaves this week talking about how it is a failure of leadership, a failure of legacy, and a failure by his organization for Mark Davis not to have made any sort of strong condemnation up until this point. And I'm not the only one who thinks so. This was in the national news just this morning with our man Stephen A. And I have no comment. They Ask have, the NFL. They, they have, have all the answers. All the answers. Yeah. Very glib. Very sarcastic, relatively dismissive. Yeah. That's what he's doing. You know what that said to me? They made me get rid of John Gruden, y'all. I didn't want to do it. Mm. He basically yeah. told yeah. on himself. Right. Mark Davis basically told himself. He basically said, after seeing those emails, okay, and recognizing the things that he had said over a seven-year period, right. I still would have kept them if they would have let me. And so, Willie... There's more from Stephen A. coming in a minute. But when I think about that with Mark Davis, I don't know if it's true. I don't know if I believe that. I, I, I don't know if I, I believe that Mark Davis was forced into this 100%. We don't know. And I think the point, Willie, for me is that we don't know. That these are the stories that grow in the absence of hearing from Mark Davis. These are the stories that can – the rumors become bigger – than what the actual story might be about Mark Davis specifically by him not speaking. And I just can't understand. I can't wrap my head around there not even being a statement. Even if you don't put yourself out in front of the media to answer questions, how can there not be something from the man at the top of this organization, the only person that John Gruden reported to, I don't understand it. I can't wrap my head around it, and I don't know if you, you can make more sense of it than I can. 
I can't. And even if you say, well, you know, the relationship that they had and, um, you know, and it's hard and he's still processing it, whatever it may be, um, you are still the owner of one of the most recognizable brands in the world. Not sports world, but in the world. And you are the son of someone who was at the forefront long before many other sports figures of equality among ethnicity and, and gender and to, you know, your first statement on Friday in terms of it's abhorrent and I'm collecting details, so on and so forth. Your second comment was, I've accepted John Gruden's resignation. And then his third was basically no comment, ask the NFL, to our good friend Paul Gutierrez, which obviously is getting play everywhere because it's the only thing out there. Um, and I was about 50 yards from Paul when that call took place at the Raiders facility. It is a slap in the face to the people that he that John Gruden harmed when he said... My intent was not to hurt anybody, but when you say in an email not to hire women and that it was a mistake to force Jeff Fisher to, those were done at times when they were all taking place. So your intent at the time was to hurt those people. This is a slap in the face to those people and others by not at least coming out and speaking, saying something of anything. Even if you want to come out and say that I am devastated, I am hurt. Because this is a man that I loved, that took over our franchise, our family franchise, and I don't know what to say. Come out and say that. But to not say anything, even if you are upset with the NFL, if you believe they leaked the email, whatever the reason is, have some statement. We thought for sure that there was a shot that he would be the man that would come out and introduce Rich Passaccia yesterday and say, I will address when I can, but right now I want to introduce and then just walk off. But nothing. Now, I saw him, and I tweeted it, um, when I went in to get tested. And he walked across the back of the front lobby of the, of the Raiders facility. Had a very stoic look on his face. Walked from one side to out one door, through the lobby to another door. Usually when you see Mark, whether he, whether he knows your name or not, he's very jovial, all smiles. Nothing. Now, later, my photographer that was out there said that he had come back the opposite way because he pointed and told me how he walked out and he said hi to the employees, hi and bye got in his car and left so that's not the only thing Stephen A talked about because he talked about how Mark Davis's silence isn't just a reflection of the Raiders organization it's a reflective of NFL ownership as a whole that culture that we were talking about that culture that we religiously lament where there's no minority ownership other than Kim Pagula in Buffalo and Shad Khan, who's, Pakistan, yep. who's from Pakistan, owning the Jacksonville Jaguars, you have no representation. You certainly don't have any black representation. I can tell you that much in an ownership position. There's plenty of people with money that would love to own an NFL team that happen to be black, okay? And you haven't invited them into that good old boys club. People forget that. When it comes to ownership, in the NBA, in the NFL, Major League Baseball, etc. It yep. doesn't matter how much money you have. They have to invite you in. And sometimes 
you wish they hadn't invited someone in. Number four. Number four. You wish they hadn't invited in one Daniel Snyder, who long before the workplace investigation began into the Washington football team was one of the bigger losers we've ever seen in pro sports, Um, especially in the league that we all, at least in terms of our interest, hold in the highest of esteem. Uh, We pay the most attention to the NFL. Um, Sometimes people change. Uh, Sometimes people are just exactly who they look like. And Daniel Snyder appears to think that we think he's someone who can change. We think he's someone who might be different. And yet, uh, you see things like what happened today, where the Washington football team announced that they're going to be honoring the late Sean Taylor, uh, retiring his number, and doing it this weekend. This weekend, Willie, three days. Only yeah. three days before did they decide to announce this. Mm-hmm. Um there's some reporting out there saying, well, yeah, they discussed before the season. They might do it at some point. Um, man, is this a coincidence. I mean, this is freaky how they had this planned and somehow never told anybody. And we're now in the middle of an investigation focused squarely on the 650,000 emails that we haven't seen and everything that is still wrong within the Washington organization. And we're just going to now announce that we're going to try to find a little bit of goodwill. Maybe you can believe this, but I think it's a load of crap. I 100% am on board with that it's a load of crap. I think that they're trying to shed some positivity in and in, in, in look like this, you know, great franchise. And, and you know, I, I try not to get long-winded with this. I know that's impossible for me. But um, Vernon Fox, a very close friend of mine and a close friend to the show now, and a, and a local hero, if you will, played with the Washington then other nickname. And he said the greatest football player at any level, the greatest man that he's ever put a uniform on with was Sean Taylor. And he was just he's still in awe of his presence when he played with him and learned so much in the short time that they had together. And so that alone, if you know Vernon Fox and the character that we're speaking of, um, that alone tells you that three days is, I mean, this is something that you, you announce preseason so people can prepare for and, and want to be at. And it, it's, it's a slap in the face. And it's a slap in the legacy of Sean Taylor from what you just mentioned there about Vernon Fox. Don't take a guy who was murdered in his own home in a robbery. Don't take a guy who was murdered in his own home and try to take attention off your crap. It's ridiculous. It shouldn't surprise any of us, but it is what it is. Number three. The one guy who is not talking in the news this week, of course, is Mark Davis. We've been waiting to hear from someone else about one of the other major stories, and we finally did. Kyrie Irving, instead of just putting out through an anonymous source that he wants to be a voice for the voiceless, decided to put his voice to his cause to his feelings about vaccination. As we talked about earlier with Xavier Pope, keep in mind, more than 90% of NBA players are vaccinated. There are like 20 players who aren't. So we are talking about a minority, but we happen to be talking about a minority of superstar Kyrie Irving, who has been a lightning rod for so many different controversies over the years. So instead of us talking about Kyrie, let's give him the floor. 
You know, I had to stop running away from using my voice and using my platform to, uh, you know, speak on what's true and what's mine. You know, nobody's going to hijack my voice. Nobody's going to take the power away from me that I have for speaking on these things, you know, and don't believe that I'm retiring. Don't believe that, <laughs> you know, I'm going to give up this game uh, for a vaccine mandate or staying unvaccinated. Don't believe any of that, man. Like, like really be aware of what's being said uh, before I even get a chance to be on the podium and speak for myself. You know what I'm saying? Like all these people saying all these things about what's going on with me and it's just not true. Pay attention to what's going on out in the real world. You know, people are losing their jobs to these mandates. Uh, people are having to make choices with their own lives, which I respect, you know, and and I don't want to um, sit here and, and play on people's emotions either. Just use logic. You know, what would you do? You know, if, if you felt uncomfortable going into the season uh, when you were promised that you would have exemptions or that you didn't have to be forced to get the vaccine. You know, this wasn't an issue uh, before the season started. This this wasn't something that I foresaw coming where I prepared for it. And, uh, you know, I had a, a chance to strategize on what was going to be best for me and my family. I came into the season uh, thinking that I was just going to be able to play ball, you know, be able to use my my talent uh, to continue to, uh, you know, inspire, influence people in the right way. You know, this, like putting this on me is just like, why are you putting it on me? You know, like this, this is not part of, uh, <laughs> you know, what's going on in conversations with scientists, physicians and doctors. I'm I'm just a hooper, right? Like I'm, I'm just a person uh, who, who's being utilized as, as an example. For some odd reason, you know, people love to have my name in the mix of just some BS. Like, just hearing the way people speak so, con you know, with so much. Con uh, all right. I mean, I could spend the rest of the hour trying to break down some of what we heard in there, Willie. But I'll just take this piece of it. Um, people putting words in your mouth before you have a chance to speak on it. Bro, there was a preseason press conference where you sat there and answered every vaccination question with next question. So don't tell us you didn't have an opportunity to speak. You had an opportunity to speak. You could choose to do what you did today with Instagram at any point. Um, the other piece of the equation is what you were promised. Um, you were promised about the mandates. Maybe you don't understand the way that the world has evolved in the last year and a half, but everything changes every day right now. None of us are promised anything. We, we don't know. We didn't know how this virus spread at the beginning. We didn't know any of it. We're all adjusting to it on the fly. Those are the choices we're all making day to day. So I'm sorry that what you were promised has changed, but it's changed for all of us. Correct me if I'm wrong, because you followed the Kyrie story a little bit more than I have. But today's story from Kyrie is that he has to do what's best for him and his family. Wasn't it less than a week ago that he was trying to just be a man of the people and represent a certain to to he was doing it for those who weren't quote unquote anti-vaxxers but just didn't want to put something strange in it wasn't it was wasn't he doing it for the people before and now today he's doing it for himself i believe that is uh i believe that is part of it and he wants to say that he wants to use his voice to speak up for uh speak up for others um you can still do that. You can still use your voice. You are still a global superstar. You are just not entitled to be part of the Brooklyn Nets or part of the NBA. 
entitled is a great word because you, you, you said out of that whole diatribe of his what stood out to you. You know what stood out to me was? I just thought I was going to be able to play ball. Because entitlement, you know, hey, I just figured I could just come play ball. And, and, and regardless of promises that were broken, regardless of this, that, whatever it may be, I just figured I'm Kyrie Irving and I could come play ball. Number two. Golden Knights are in action tonight. They are in Los Angeles at the Staples Center to take on the Kings. Um, we've been hearing about Jack Eichel from the Buffalo Sabres for a long, long time. The rumors of him coming to the Golden Knights. Uh, ESPN's got hockey coverage back. I hope you all know that. Uh, on the networks, on ESPN+. Plus. Sign up for ESPN+. Plus. You get every out-of-market NHL game. That's a pretty good deal. Uh, and that comes along with ESPN's new show, The Points, with John Bruchigross, uh, Emily Kaplan, and Barry Melrose today, where they broke a little bit of news about Mr. Eichel. Five teams still in on Jack Eichel, and we're hoping that some movement happens. I think Papersong's going to make this happen. I just look at Vegas with Alex Tuck, who's injured. They can't have everybody. He's a big prospect. He makes a good money. They'll yep. go with someone else. They need to match up because they're capped. But I just see Vegas. That's what they need, Barry. To plug that 26-year-old guy right in the middle of that lineup. They're, they don't want too young and they don't want too old because they have enough 30-year-olds as it is. I love I love this kid. Oh, oh, Jack Eichel coming to Vegas. One of the five teams. Jack Eichel is the solution for Vegas. He's going to help replace Alex Tuck. And Barry Melrose agrees with that 100%, right? Every I love year. the guy, but I don't. I just don't love him right now. I, I think Barry's out of love with Jack. He's, he's got to show people that that he is a great player. He's got to show people that he can win in an environment. He, you know, the people in Buffalo aren't going to welcome him back, or uh, when he comes back, you know, oh, they, no. they, they haven't loved him there either. So I'm with the people in Buffalo. Uh, it's good for our sport. We need guys like this in the lineup. We don't need guys like this on the IR, whatever. But uh, as I said, I'm, I'm from I'm from Missouri with him right now. He's got to show me. Okay. All right, Barry. I get it. Show me, Jack Eichel. Um, look, five teams being in, I don't know if I necessarily believe that. Emily Kaplan also said that uh, all of the teams would allow for Jack Eichel to have his preferred surgery. That would have him out for a minimum of three to four months uh, before he's able to get back on the ice. Uh, stay tuned. $10 million, a lot to fit under that cap, and uh, there's more to come on Jack Eichel, according to what we're hearing from ESPN's hockey coverage. Number one. I want to make sure we give uh, this next one the proper time, so we're going to hit most of it when we come back. Um, but if you don't have anything going on tonight, you need to get down to the Cox Pavilion. Six o'clock, open practice for the UNLV Run Rebels. It's a fundraiser for someone who's near and dear to my heart, who's uh, near and dear to a lot of people's hearts in Las Vegas. It's for Robert Smith, and we're going to talk about that in a moment here on Cofield & Company. The Big Five at Four. Brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Rebel fans, we really hope you come out and join us October 14th at 6 p.m. Everything you, that you donate at Cox Pavilion that night will go to helping Robert Smith and his family with their medical needs. Donate, donate, donate. It's a great opportunity for us as a Rebel community to help out a, a former player and a lifelong Rebel. So we really hope to see you there October 14th, 6 p.m., Cox Pavilion. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. That's new UNLV run Rebel basketball coach Kevin Kruger talking about someone who I know many of you out there have had the chance to cross paths with over the years from the time he was a Final Four participant under Jerry Tarkanian 
spent time overseas as a professional basketball player, came back to Vegas. Uh, you know Robert Smith uh, was the analyst on the Learfield broadcasts of UNLV with John Sandler for quite a long time before, of course, uh, suffering a stroke in 2019. His life has been significantly changed since that time. Um, you know, here's my suggestion if you haven't made plans yet for this evening. Uh, Willie Ramirez is down at Silver 7s. Uh, it's happy hour right now at Silver 7s, 77-cent beers. You know, Silver 7s basically right off the UNLV campus. Go down, have a drink, get a little bite to eat, and jump on over to what's going to be an open practice for the Running Rebels. This is your first chance to see the new-look Running Rebels, 6 o'clock tonight at the Cox Pavilion. And here's the great part. It's all a fundraiser for Robert Smith. You can get in for as little as $5. They're not asking much. I mean, whatever you can give is appreciated. But $5 gets you in the door for UNLV open practice tonight. First chance to see the Running Rebels. It all benefits Robert Smith. And, Willie, uh, you were telling me a little bit earlier that um, that you, you've got some good stories about your experience with Robert. I do. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a perfect segue for you when, when I finish this. Um, but long time ago, in being here, as I mentioned earlier in the show, in 1972, um, I would go to the then Silver Bowl, um, which, of course, is Samboy Stadium, and go see the old football Rebels. And I'll never forget one time I was up there. I've told this story many times. I've written about it for uh, Mark Wallington, sports information director in, in um, the 50th anniversary stuff. Um, my mom, we were sitting in the stands, and here I am, this rambunctious toddler, not even toddler, probably, you know, six, seven, eight years old, whatever it was, and running up and down the aisles of those metal bleachers, and the man in front of me, you know, he kind of turned around because he kept bumping him, but he was actually gracious about it, laughing with me, and so we were all talking and talking about the Running Rebels and how I was a fan of the Running Rebels, and um, he had mentioned to my mom, I was like, so your son's a fan of the Running Rebels. You know, if you come down to the South Gym, I could get him in and introduce him to all the guys because I kept bringing up Sweet Lou Brown. That was their big guy, right? And Eddie Owens and that whole team and Sudden Sam Smith, and Glenn Gondrasic. He says, yeah, bring him down Monday or whatever day it was, you know, because it was Saturday night. Bring him down, introduce him to guys. My mom drives over to the backside where South Gym, when that was, the you know, the big facility. And man met me out front, brought me into into the South Gym, and introduced me, sure enough, to all the running rebels that I would watch at the Rotunda. Right? That one time where I got an autograph from Brett Musburger, who now who I just had a conversation with the other day. But I'm in the Rotunda, you know, you're watching the Rotunda, you're watching the running rebels back then. And um, so anyway, I'm in the South Gym and meet everybody and autographs get to play you know shoot the ball you know pass the ball playing around with all, and here i am with with the local heroes and that man was robert smith and i'll never forget that and it was some years later when i was sitting in the office with then bishop gorman coach jeff wagonseller and i shared that story with him because i had someone had poked their head in said hi to him and I looked over my shoulder and looked back real quick and I was like man that looked like Robert Smith he goes that's who it was and I told him that story I just told you and everybody that's listening and Jeff was like wow that's crazy you know I said yeah you're telling me so now you know back then I was 
a little kid, a running Rebel fan, now a reporter. Now I see him here, and he's a he's a he's a, an assistant coach on your staff. And then many years later, we're colleagues, where he was calling running Rebel games, and I was covering the running Rebel. So been a long time since the first time I ever met him, in being a long time running Rebel fan from the convention center days. Well, Willie, he also had an effect on me as a young man because the same time you're talking about when. Uh, when Jeff Wagonsiller was the coach there, Robert was not only an assistant on the varsity, but Robert was the JV basketball coach. Uh, and Robert, against probably his better judgment, kept me on the junior varsity team um, to do a couple of things. Um, to get abused in practice by much better basketball players uh, and to uh, hold down the end of the bench and make sure that with all of the talent we had on the one side of the bench, that you had some dead weight at this end of the bench, and it didn't get up and fly away. Uh, and I joke, but at the end of the year, uh, when we had our end-of-the-year banquet, and he said something about every player on the team, um, what he said about me was brief because there wasn't much to say about what happened on the court, uh, but he called me a hard worker, and it was something that stuck with me for a very long time because I had huge respect for this guy who not only we knew was a Final Four player, was an NBA player, but he would get out there on the court and play with us, and it was an understanding of a game of basketball that I will never be able to reach. Like, you knew if you got open somewhere on the court, it didn't matter if he was looking at you or not when he had the ball in his hands. He was going to find you. He was going to get the ball to you. And he respected that I had a work ethic, even though I sucked, even though I was a terrible basketball player. He respected that I showed up every day and I tried to do everything I could to keep up with much, much better players uh, than me. And and he was a friend for decades after that, always a guy that I could uh, that I could talk to, whether it was at Gorman, whether it was at UNLV games, uh, someone who. It was friendly for for years and years, and seeing what he's gone through uh, is is heartbreaking. And so, I, I hope that people can, uh, even if you can't make it out tonight, maybe go uh, to the UNLV Rebel website, maybe go to uh, the UNLV Running Rebel Twitter, see where you can donate. Um, you know, John Sandler did a great fundraiser for him uh, a few months ago, where they raised money for uh, you know for a new wheelchair that that has been great for him. Um, Support him. You're supporting a piece of the UNLV history. You're supporting a piece of the UNLV community. And Willie and I would uh, would both appreciate if you could could take part in that. Uh, we got a little more UNLV talk coming up. Football team's back on the field this weekend against Utah State here on Cofield Company. Silver 7's NFL Special. Two 22-ounce drafts, two hot dogs, and two bags of chips for just seven seventy-seven. Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Cofield and Company rolls along, finishing up your Thursday afternoon. A little bit on the early side. We jump off at 5 o'clock today because not only Thursday night football coming up between Tampa Bay and Philadelphia, but the National League Division Series, the game of the year in Major League Baseball, the Giants and the Dodgers in a winner-take-all game. Of course, the Vegas Golden Knights are on the ice tonight. You can check all that out on our sister station over on Fox Sports Radio. Ryan, the hockey guy, will have the preview. And, of course, Dan Duva will have the call uh, on Fox. Um, the UNLV football team back on the field 
this week at Allegiant Stadium. They're taking on Utah State, and what is this I see? What is this? The movement on the line is toward UNLV. Utah State was a nine-point favorite at Open, and there are some Rebel believers out there. They've taken the points to seven. Just a touchdown dog is UNLV. 62 is that total's been bet way up. And here's the key that I think we need to keep in mind about this. Um, There aren't that many obvious spots left on the schedule for the Rebels to get a win this year. And they've had two weeks to prepare for this game. Um, This might well be... This might well be exactly where the running Rebels, uh, she should say the uh, the football Rebels, have the opportunity to get their one win for the season. We'll talk more to Brad Powers about how that spread looks when we come back here on Cofield Company. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Green gets the money, dollar, dollar bill. Company's eye on sports betting with Brad Powers. One last reminder with NFL games starting in just about 20 minutes down at Silver Sevens. Here's what you can get in addition to a handshake from Willie Ramirez or maybe a fist bump. It's a little COVID safer. Uh, 77 cent Bud Bud Light Mick Ultra every NFL game. Two 22-ounce drafts, two hot dogs, two bags of chips. That's $7.77 for that package. Daily happy hour starts at 3. That's beers, well drinks, and margaritas. Just $2.77. These are some of the best drink prices anywhere around the Strip. Uh, Join A-Play. You can be part of Silver 7's free giveaways on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And uh, you can also check out the William Hill Race and Sportsbook. If you sign up for the mobile betting app and you have to go down there to do it, uh, $50 will be added to your account. Willie's at Silver 7's. Adam Candy with you. Ari at the Finley Toyota Studios. Winners are handed out like Halloween candy when we talk to Brad Powers on Thursday afternoons. Brad, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Brad? Yeah, hopefully you don't get any cavities off of the candy. You know what? That's only when you have too many winners, right? Too much candy, too many winners, too sweet. Uh, I, I don't know if there could be such a thing, but we'll find out. Uh, Brad, uh, we know that uh, you know college more than NFL on your ends, but of course we always check in with you on the Thursday night game where we've got Tampa laying seven on the road in Philly, uh, 52 and a half, 53. Anything for you anywhere near this game? So I was super square. I uh, teased Tampa Bay with Kansas City, took them both down to half a point. Uh, I think it's probably the squarest teaser on the board in the NFL, but you know it doesn't mean that the squares don't win sometimes. No, it, it doesn't, and uh, those big favorites uh, parlayed, I should say teased down, uh, will I'm sure be on many tickets this weekend. Uh, another big weekend in college football, maybe without as many marquee games uh, on the slate this weekend, but uh, Brad, what caught your attention the most on the college football schedule here on October the 16th? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's going to be a tough, tough act to follow. I mean, I would argue last Saturday, just from a fan aspect, was as good as it gets in college football. And not just this year, I'm talking several years. But, you know, one bet that I made, and I still think holds value, and again, call me square, but I have multitude of reasons for betting it. But I'll take the Crimson Tide off a loss. And it's just not off a loss that has me betting it. It's 
the fact that you go to last year's game between Alabama and Mississippi State, Nick Saban shut out Mike Leach, and uh, that was the only shutout in, the, in Mike Leach's entire career. And for those wanting to say, oh, he'll adjust and, you know, he's had a bye week and he'll get things corrected, I don't think so for Mike Leach. And if you're familiar with him, uh, especially his Washington State days, uh, the, the team in the Pac-12 that had the best combination of coaching and talent on defense year after year, Washington. What did Washington do against Washington State? They, well, they figured out Leach's offense. They won six straight. They covered six straight by 18 points per game. I'm rolling tied this Saturday. And yeah, tied. Uh, open some places 15. It's up to 17, uh, 58, 58 and a half uh, on the board here right now. Um, Georgia is laying 23 uh, in most spots to Kentucky. There are some other numbers on the board. Of course, the total all the way down at 44 and a half. I mean, it's, it's hard to say enough about the Georgia defense and what we've seen uh, thus far. Um, what do you think about seeing a spread like this with a total like this? Yeah, it's a, g- a great question. I, I mean, it makes betting Georgia a lot less tempting but with that being said i mean georgia forget being number one in the ap poll number one in probably most people's power ratings including myself they're number one in the country in ats margin this year i mean they're five and one against the spread covering by more than two touchdowns per game and i gotta tell you they're doing that with one arm tied behind their back on offense i mean they haven't been that healthy at the skill position uh we'll see if they get jt daniels back they did get their you know one of their best tight ends back last week the defense is historically good. I mean, we're talking on pace to be one of the best defenses in the history of college football. I know it's a lot to lay with a low total, but my numbers stay back the Bulldogs. So, Brad, on the local standpoint, um, UNLV and Utah State both coming off bye weeks. Utah State, I think the numbers sort of climbed a little bit for the Aggies. Um, the Aggies defense, they've allowed 27 points each of the last three games, ranks 119th out of 130. Uh, FBS teams. Charles Williams is an interesting topic because he's really yet to have that breakout game. Um, only Alabama, Indiana, Arkansas, and Stanford have faced as many top 25 teams as UNLV. Can UNLV pull off its first victory under the Marcus Arroyo tenure? Oh, that's going to be tough, but I did bet UNLV. And, you know, even though they're winless on the season, I've actually upgraded UNLV in my power ratings this year because, I mean, if you look at who they played, I mean, it's legitimate. They played one of the top ten toughest schedules in the country. That is saying something for, a, you know, a school that's playing in the Mountain West. They were super competitive against Fresno State and UTSA. They'll be super competitive here. I just can't pull the trigger and say back UNLV on the money line. I'd rather just take the plus seven. What do we make of this Iowa team, uh, Brad? Are they as good as these these victories have looked? They are laying 11.5 at home against Purdue with a total of 43. I want to fade them. I mean, I don't even have Iowa in my top 10 of my power ratings. But with that being said, every week my power ratings, they take Iowa. And obviously you cash a lot of tickets betting on Iowa so far this year, with the exception of the Colorado State game. And I think there's a lot of people that want to fade them. And I think they overset the, the, look, I wanted to, after beating Penn State, I, I circled, I want to bet Purdue. I thought the line would be sitting there right around 14, 14 and a half. I'll take the boilers. It's not. I mean, I, I just think people, you know, it's almost popular, too popular to fade Iowa that, uh, in fact, I'm finding value. I think their numbers are relatively cheap, including this week. 
Um, Big Pac-12 game to a degree. UCLA heading to Washington, or they're going to face Washington, excuse me, for the first time since 2018. Um, it's, 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 I think, it, I want to say it's Washington one, minus one and a half. Um, Dorian Thompson Robinson is having an exceptional season for the Bruins, ranked second in the nation, first in the Pac 12, 15.45 yard average on each completion. Um, he's in the top 25 with an average of 8.83 yards per pass attempt. And he rolls into Seattle tied for second in the conference with 11 passing touchdowns. Can he pass the Bruins past uh, Washington? Uh, lean UCLA for me. I'll, I'll say this. I mean, I make 35, 40 bets each week, sides and just sides and totals in college football. Didn't bet the game. I mean, it's tough. I mean, the Pac-12 is tough, period. I mean, it's Jekyll and Hyde for most of these teams on a week-to-week basis. Washington off a much-needed buy, but Jimmy Lake, as a head coach, it leaves a lot to be desired, especially when you look at the offensive play calling. I mean, to me, UCLA's got a little more upside, especially a quarterback, so I'd lean Bruin. All right, Brad Powers, Brad Powers 7 on Twitter, has joined us here talking college football on Cofield and Company. Uh, the other side of the Alabama game last week is, of course, now we have to figure out what to do with Texas A&M. Uh, they are on the road in Columbia, taking on Missouri, Uh Nine and a half, nine, depending on where you want it. Total uh, sitting around sixty. Is this a spot to fade Texas A and M coming off an emotional win? Well, I thought so, but I think it's being priced in the marketplace. I mean, I expected A and M to be laying double digits. They're not, so it tells me that a lot of people are wanting to fade A and M. I wanted to, but I bet numbers, not teams. And right now, my numbers say A and M is holding some value. And I, I got to tell you, I mean, if there's one team that I didn't want A&M playing after pulling such a big win, it's Missouri. Why? I mean, Missouri has been pitiful. Nine straight ATS losses in a row dating back to last year. Nine straight. I mean, that is really tough to do at a Power 5 level, and it's all because their defense is one of the worst in the country. I mean, against one of the worst offenses in the country last week in North Texas, Missouri allowed 35 points and almost 500 yards to a feeble North Texas offense. I mean, I think A&M could be flat as a pancake and still have a ton of success on the offense side of the ball. My numbers actually lean with the, the Aggies here. Well, Brad, we always throw a bunch of games at you that, uh, that we're interested in. But, of course, uh, if someone is listening closely, they want to know what you feel strongly about. What other games are you feeling uh, more confident about this weekend? You know, I kind of like Northern Illinois uh, against Bowling Green. I think Bowling Green got overpriced in the market after they started 5-0 and against the spread. Everybody, you know, was backing them and feeling good because they were the last remaining un- unbeaten team against the spread. Uh, and then last week, <laughs> they lose outright as a two-touchdown favorite. And, uh, I mean, that's the Bowling Green that we've been accustomed to for the last five years. And I just think Northern Illinois is one of the most improved teams in the country. And it's legitimate, I mean, because they're winning at the line of scrimmage. So, I thought that I expected the number to be in double digits. It wasn't. I like Northern Illinois minus nine. Let's go elsewhere in the SEC for a moment with a couple of teams that have played well. Have other have also had some moments where we're not so sure. Uh, Arkansas and Auburn. Who uh, pick Suey laying four fifty four. Lean Auburn, uh, but it's a game I didn't bet. I mean, Arkansas has played the much tougher schedule so far. I think it's a, definitely a must-win for Arkansas, back-to-back losses. I mean, it was against a couple of really good teams, Georgia and Ole Miss. I just trust Sam Pittman a little bit more than I do Brian Harson at this point. So 
Uh, Arkansas wins, but four. Do I want to lay four? No. I mean, I made the number three. LSU doesn't spend a lot of time getting double digits in Death Valley, but of course, uh, it's not the same LSU that we've seen in the past. Florida's laying twelve with a total of fifty-nine. So I mean, LSU for the second week in a row is like one of my strongest power ratings plays. But I mean, I'm not running the window to bet LSU. Why? I mean, I just think it's a program on the brink. Uh, I, I can tell you this. I mean, they're as banged up as any team in the entire country. Several starters out, including I think four on defense. And if you're stack ranking their top players on defense, I think the top four are out. On top of it, their best player overall, in my opinion, Keyshawn Butte, and wide receiver, he's out for the season. Orgeron is likely gone after this season. I can't downgrade LSU enough in my power ratings. Uh, so I'm going to go against them and actually take Florida here minus the big number. I'll give you one more Pac-12 game uh, here before we let you go. Uh, Arizona State visiting Utah. It is pick across the board. I'll take Utah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, obviously they've been playing with, uh, you know, a lot of emotion, uh, lo- losing another player. Uh, to you know, tragic circumstances. I you know, I just like Utah at home. I think they turned it around here last couple of games. A really intriguing game. Not a high value pick, but uh, I certainly lean with the youth. Brad, where can everybody find your work? You can find me on Twitter at BradPower7. Also, check me out on my website, BradPowerSports.com. He's one of the best in the business when it comes to college football, especially Brad Powers joins us every week here on Thursday on Cofield and Company. We appreciate your time, sir. Enjoy the weekend. Hey, thanks for having me on. Take care, guys. Uh, Willie, before we get out of here, Raiders put their injury report uh, out. Any notables? Yeah. um, Quentin Jefferson and uh, Jonathan Hankins. um, And Josh Jacobs with an illness that did not participate. Uh, Jonathan Abram was limited, uh, as, as well as Yannick Ngakwe. Um, Waller returned to practice. He was a full participant along with Carl Nassib, who we talked about earlier. Corey Littleton was limited yesterday. He was a full participant. So Jonathan Hankins, Quinton Jefferson, and Josh Jacobs. Quinton with the back, uh, nurse in the back, and Hankins with the hip injury. Uh, Josh Jacobs is the interesting one just because he just got off the IR. But So yesterday nothing was listed. Today did not participate due to an illness. And then basically for the last two years, Josh Jacobs has been, if not a game-time decision, a, a questionable player with uh, nagging injuries, this time an illness uh, at practice. Keep an eye on that Jonathan Hankins injury as well, anchoring the run defense for the Raiders as they head to Denver. Take on the Broncos this weekend with new interim coach Rich Passaccia at the helm for the first time in his NFL career. Appreciate the hustle from Willie Ramirez getting over from the Raiders facility to Silver Sevens. Thank you, sir. Much, uh, much appreciated. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Make sure, uh, by the way, I'm going to be filing my story on Greg Olson taking over the play calling duties for the Associated Press. So make sure I will be tweeting that out at Willie G. Ramirez. All right. Ari, as usual, thanks for keeping everything rolling along. Steve Cofield is back in tomorrow. Maybe you love that. Maybe you hate that. I don't know. I'm gonna enjoy the fr- I'm gonna enjoy the Friday off, man. Like me and Cofield in the in the house tomorrow. Amen. You and Cofield bringing it home. Enjoy the big sports night, everybody.